Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. A touch later than scheduled, but here nonetheless. Coming up, we'll look back on a busy weekend across the islands as Saints win in Alderney, Sylvans win in Jersey and Hanwell Town take the points at Foots Lane. We'll also look ahead to a big weekend of centenary celebrations at St Peter. Sylvan's secretary Guy Hardill explains how they'll be marking their big occasion. The game this weekend is a scheduled trio game, so obviously um, it's, it's nothing special in terms of we haven't devised a game it's just come through the fixture list but obviously as it happens turns out to be a reenactment of the uh, the first match that Silvers had a hundred years ago so yeah it worked the timing was was good and so yeah that kicks off at two o'clock on Saturday and uh, yeah we'd like as, as many supporters as possible for the occasion. More from Guy coming up I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me this week is the sports editor at the Guernsey Press Gareth the Premier. Hi Tony. And Rangers director of football Rob Batties. <laughs> Hello, Tony. <laughs> it's a great intro. It sounds great, Rob. It is great. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing it cool because I don't want to wind people up. Anyway, Tony, before we get into the serious matter, how did the scouting mission go in Copenhagen? Have <laughs> <laughs> you found some new talent for Tony Vance in, in, in Denmark? Well, I found some good food and some good coffees, yeah. I expect as much, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll come on to the uh, director of football stuff in a moment because, uh, yeah, breaking new ground for the Premier League, Rob. But let, let's start with some of the weekend action shall we first um it's two defeats in a row now for guernsey fc although they've come against the teams in first and third in isthmian south central tony vance's men lost 2-0 at tabletop in bracknell last midweek before going down 4-1 against hanwell town on sunday uh, gareth you were there for that one at uh, kez mahon uh, gave gfc the lead in the first half before a quick double from the visitors turned things around before half time and then two late goals um, killed things off w- what did you make of what you saw um it it was not a 4-1 game, Tony. I'll say that straight away. The three-goal the three goal margin was quite flattering to uh, Hamwell in the end. They, I thought they were a very good side. I must admit they had some, a couple of very good players. I mean, the two goals you mentioned in the first half were from their captain, uh, Harry Rush, who really caught the eye. He was, he was pretty impressive throughout the whole game, as were a couple of his uh, midfield colleagues. Um, but it was certainly a game which um, I think I probably joined Tony Vance in the frustration uh, at the officials during it. It was one of those games where, um, to be fair, I thought Hanwell started very well, but they almost liked seeing how far they could perhaps push their luck in early stages with the officials. And when they realised they could push it quite far, it just seemed to tend to get sort of worse and worse. And it's just, it's just those sort of those antics which a lot of these English sides have and they just um, it really started to wind up um, Tony for sure you could tell when you can start hearing Tony Vance on the far side having a go at the ref you know that things are really getting wound up but when it came to um, the second half and I mean at the time you only get to see it in real time sort of when you're at the ground I I thought it was a blatant penalty I think everyone in the whole stand thought it was a blatant penalty Tony Vance certainly thought it was a blatant penalty as um, Ross Allen um, was brought down in the box and just the fact it wasn't given you sort of start almost doubting yourself and having seen it now on on the highlights several times it is just a stonewall penalty and I'm not surprised Vance was frustrated it was 2-1 at the time Um, obviously you're not guaranteed to score from the spot but Ross has got a pretty good record from the spot so you'd probably imagine it would have gone to all with quarter of an hour to go and, and with the home crowd behind him you never know how that's going to turn out so um, yeah it was one of those afternoons where I, I'll hold my hands up I'll say Hamwell Town are a very good side and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually uh, came through the, the playoffs for the division 
But um, I think GFC have every right to feel a bit aggrieved with what went on, to be honest. It wasn't the first bad officiating of the weekend, by all accounts. The, uh, the rugby was quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so I think we'll leave that well, one for another day. Perhaps. Well, no, it was quite funny that um, <laughs> I, I was at both games. When Vancey came to sort of see me after the game for his post-match interview, he, he did say, did, did I read a tweet that Jordan wasn't very happy with the refereeing yesterday in the rugby? And I said, I, I used the word bemused in my tweet, Vancey. <laughs> and he just smiled back at me and went, yep, well, so am I. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it was just one of those games. I mean, it was funny. I was um, explaining to someone sort of after the game just what had gone on. I was, uh, one of the sort of Hamwell strikers, they, they were good players. They were all very good players. But it seemed like his first job given to him was, right, whenever Guernsey get a free kick, free kick, go and stand in front of the ball. Stop a free quick free kick being taken. And the very first time he did it, he sprinted to the ball and got there. And you're thinking, right, ref, surely you've seen that. Just say to him, Hey, none of that. You know that that's out. That's, that's against the bloody rules, basically. And, and yet he continued to do it throughout the whole game. And you're thinking, get get some bottle ref. You know, tell him we have to book him. You're not allowed to do that. He did it throughout the whole game. And even I'm not a great fan of sort of. Um, somebody kicking a ball against someone just to show the fact but it did get to the stage where you just think to you just want to say to the GFC players right kick it at him just do it and they actually did that later on against a sub who'd come on who started doing the same thing and he got and the guy the sub got booked straight away and you think this taken about 85 minutes to get to this stage it shouldn't need that much it, it was just one of those days it just really you know you start off on a nice level you get simmering then you get to boiling and you, <laughs> by the end it was sort of boiling over it was one of those afternoons well really. I'm surprised uh, yeah, I'm surprised Tony didn't run on kicking at the uh, opposition then with that uh, going on um, quite an interesting story though with Hanwell Town or Toon the, mm. uh, the Toon uh, yeah. the, the team that was set he's up by Jordan. Bring, he's got to bring up Newcastle <laughs> yeah, the conversation. Know, these Newcastle fans um, they don't have very often uh, what, was the other, what was the other result on Sunday <laughs> afternoon Tony <laughs> Uh, yes, right. Well, we won't mention Everton either. But um, yeah, to, I, I, I just want to uh, mention um, the Hamwell Town bought some. They bought a good crowd over there. There's quite a lot of them over to support, and they they seemed a really nice bunch. I, actually, just before the game, I had a tap on the shoulder from this guy. I turned around. It was a guy I'd never seen before, but it was obviously a, a committee man from Hamwell, very nicely dressed with his. And he, he said. Sorry, can I ask you a, a quick favour? It might seem a bit odd, but um, I actually write reports for the, our website and I've forgotten to bring my notebook. Can I have some of your sort of paper? Yeah, not a problem. And, but they were just a really nice crowd and, and like I say, they had a lot of very good players. They're a good side. Um, so it, it's sort of like it doesn't reflect on them, <laughs> the, the anger. It more reflected on just the, the strength or lack of, of the officiating, I think. So um, now I, I do, um, it, it is quite interesting to try and describe a side as Geordies. It didn't sort of come naturally to me for, for a South Central league to be described as Geordies. But yeah, they, were, they seemed a decent bunch. Yeah, they've got a big Twitter following um, yeah, from the northeast and I, I suppose further afield. And I saw they put up lots of flags as well down at Fitzlane. So uh, yeah. I mean, GFC's busy season continues, doesn't it? Um, I saw they posted about the fact that, is it six midweek games in a row or something they've had now? And I don't know, eight out of ten weeks or something. Anyway, they've been flying all over the place. Uh, they go to Chalfont St. Peter tonight, who are 18th. Um, GFC still only three points clear of the relegation playoff places, albeit with three games in hand still. But yeah, quite a big one um, this evening. You know, this good, good run of form until those sort of games have been caught up with it's it's still quite hard to see where GFC are because if they lose those three then they're still right in the midst 
They're safe, Tony. I wouldn't worry about them at all, unless, of course, Ross Allen gets um, nobbled soon. I mean, because I still think, as I keep harping on about it, he is so vital to the team. Um, no, I can't see any problem, even if they did lose tonight. No, we'll be following that one closely. Um, Rob, you were down at the track um, to see the return of inter-island football. We'll come on to, to Sylvan's exploits uh, over in Jersey. But for Bells, they took on St. Clement, who are a team uh, who are doing well in Jersey at the moment, and um, they came out second best. Doing very well. In fact, they're top of the... Jersey League and like winning the old Marquis Trophy. I presume they're still presenting that these days for the champions. Yeah, they were a decent side, St Clement, um, but not that much better than Bells, to be honest. Bells started very well. First 10 minutes, they were excellent. Had lots of the ball, had a couple of half chances, and you thought, hmm, they could cause a surprise here. Seven minutes later, they're 3-0 down. <laughs> and... Um, at the result of some absolutely shocking defending um, all round, really. I'm not going to put finger anybody in particular for the um, for the for the goals, but it really, really was poor. And three nil down after 17 minutes. Well, there's no way back. It could have been four half time, but they um, they came back well in the second half. Showed a lot of spirit. Bells got a nice goal from Dan Moore. It's good to see him getting a chance. The young young centre half coming on as a sub early on when Jack Domar got injured and um, did pretty well. And um, it'd be interesting to see if he does get a more extended run. And um, yeah, Bells were okay, uh, okay, you know, without being bad. And um, and I, I think Leon Meakin was there watching um, St Clement, um, doing the spying on behalf of St Martins, who are obviously going to be perhaps their their Upton opponents. And I don't think he'll be too worried about what he saw. I think Saints could quite handle that lot. That's to say, um, they did have a couple of neat players. I thought the Connor, Connor Marr, who was wearing number seven for St Clement, a very tricky player, pretty live wire. And the centre forward, Chap Tostevin, scored a couple of good goals. Very, very reasonable player. But um, And they're fit, that's for sure. They've, they certainly worked hard, but, you know, nothing to... Um, get too excited about. And what about the occasion? Was there a, you know, was there a bit of extra energy excitement in the air to see this um, sort of long-awaited return? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I will say is that for a play to Bell, so they did try and make a bit of an occasion of it. It was a 12 o'clock kick-off. You're not going to get many people down at that time. Um, and um, they had all their players walk out with um, one of their minis um, holding hands and um, it looked quite, um, it was good, good not good to see. And they are trying their best bells. They're certainly, you know, um, trying to develop their mini section. And hopefully that will will bear fruit in the coming years. And um, as I say, but they still got a few holes in their squad. They haven't got a great deal of depth. And they need to defend better. Still a way to go, of course, in the, the Jeremy and Weeways. Um, but uh, let's turn our attention to the Prio now. Uh, the Saints march goes on, um, a 1-0 victory for them up in Alderney, um, and they don't need that many points now to claim a back-to-back -back title. No, they're only officially, I think, four points away. Um, I mean, let's face it, the champions elect isn't even strong enough now because nobody's going to get anywhere near them. But, um, yeah, I saw them last week, last midweek against Valrec. Um They ended up winning 5-1. Uh, it's just... 
I think as I've put in my report with Saints, it's just relentless. It's just efficient. They just get on with the job. They do it very well. I mean, Dom Yeomans was a class apart last Tuesday. I mean, he was the best player on the pitch by a country mile, but that's what you expect from someone of his class. Um, but they were missing several people against Valrec, and to be fair to Rec, they gave it a good go for the first half hour or so, and they were still only they were in the game at half time, at sort of two one down. But I mean, they never looked like causing an upset after the after the break and. Yeah, even even with a few missing, Saints got the job done with plenty to spare. And um, yeah, I mean, they played 19, won 18, drawn one. <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's just a procession, really. Yeah, they host Rovers um, this midweek before uh, travelling up to St Peter um, for that big centenary occasion on Saturday. Um, All roads lead to St Peter's <laughs> on Saturday. It does. Um, let's, hope, let's hope the um, there aren't too many clothes on the way. <laughs> Like there were the, a couple of weeks ago when they had the rally on, which was it proved very, very difficult to get St Peter's. But, um, difficult to get anywhere. Indeed. Um, well, let's uh, leave it there for part one. Uh, coming up next, we'll be speaking to Guy Hardell from Sylvans about that match uh, and about what it means to them as a club. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Now, it is a big year for Sylvans, the latest Prio club to celebrate their centenary. Uh, they'll do so with some ceremony when they host St. Martins, as we say, on Saturday. And it comes after they secured a terrific win away at St. Paul's in the WeWay Cup as Inter-Island football returned at the weekend. Oscar Leadbeater with a late, late winner as they beat a club who've dominated CI football over the last decade, uh, winning 3-2. In a moment, we'll hear from Guy Hardill, uh, their secretary, about all that. Um, yeah, another club uh, rack up 100 years, Rob, but it hasn't been 100 consecutive years, has it, for Sylvans? No, Tony, we must point that out. Um, they um, did fold in 1928 through financial um, problems, but they came bouncing back soon after that and um, have been a great club ever since um, and um, got a soft spot for the old Sylvians, my father played with um, for, for quite a few years and my uncle. But um, it's all, you always get a good welcome out there and they're a great club um, in modern times. You know, they've won an awful lot, but they are just well organised and they're always, it's a very friendly club and um, it's a lovely place to go. Just wish it was a bit wider. <laughs> Well, to hear all about what they've got planned for Saturday and look back at the weekend, uh, as I say, uh, I caught up with club secretary Guy Hardill. Guy, welcome to the GP Football Show. Thank you very much, Tony. Let's start with last weekend. Um, what a win it was over at St Paul's. Um, you were there. Uh, just talk us through the match and that big finale. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good day. Um, the, the sort of sun shone and we we got there and back without disruption, which has always helped. Um, but yeah, the um, the boys the boys were obviously sort of well up for it. Were bolstered um, with the return of um, Carl Smith, who came into the side. Um, but also ahead of that, we had lost Harvey Lee the day before to COVID, and uh, we had a number of injuries with both Milesers and uh, you and Melrose away. So we we had a sort of uh, I won't say a full strength squad, but certainly every player was uh, was there and uh, fit and firing. Um, St Paul's. Um, we had them on the back foot, I think, for the first 15 minutes, I think it's fair to say. Um, but then it was against a run of play that uh, a set piece and an unchallenged header that uh, they got ahead of us, which was a bit of a shame, but uh, not, not, it wasn't to worry. Um, Kyle was on the ball and uh, equalised, I think, probably within about a minute 
um, of them scoring. So we're, we're back on level terms. And then um, about another 10, 15 minutes later, um, a loose back pass um, in, in defence, a bit of a mix-up. And uh, Kyle did a spectacular sort of 25, 30-yard sort of lob over the keeper because obviously the keeper wasn't uh, expecting the attack. So two went up um, and going towards half-time. Again, we're a little bit on the back foot towards half-time, but they the boys held out. And it was a, a fairly warm day as well. The, the sun was shining there. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody probably relieved to get in at half-time. Um, second half, um, I would certainly suggest, I think it was sort of backs to the wall. Um, we had a, a few injuries um, with the Apsians going off and sort of enforced changes on, on Digger and Mike that were working as best as they could to put players in and in, in position, some were out of position. Um, but the boys, the main thing was they all dug in deep. But unfortunately, the, uh, the equaliser did come at about 75 minutes and it had been coming. Um, but in the meantime, um, certainly shout out to Nick Batiste in goal again with a fantastic performance and uh, I think also worthy of mention is 16 year old George Montgomery who is only his second start and, um, and played like a player who certainly um, belied his years um, and after the equaliser well, it was it, it got very frantic um, a few yellow cars started coming out for the St Paul's side um, and then came that moment really um, shame there wasn't a camera there <laughs> Uh, that, that one was a bit of a shame, um, but uh, I'm sure most of Guernsey's heard about it by now. Um, but yeah, um, our lady, Oscar Ledbetter, um, literally came across the ball and hit us, put a sweetest strike he'll may ever hit in his life um, as a defender, and it just went absolutely missiling into the top corner. And uh, cue celebrations, I think, even though there were some injuries on the bench, I still found the, uh, the effort to run down the touchline and jump <laughs> on it. Um, so all about you know the celebration was a uh, was phenomenal, and then uh, we still had to ride out a sort of nervy last few minutes um, with you know there's a few few set pieces. Um, St Paul's had a chance to move back upfield, and uh, yeah, we managed to repel those. And when the final whistle went, it was certainly one a celebration, but also a number of players sort of drop, literally dropping to the floor with exhaustion. I think. <laughs> oh, it's a shame that yeah, no one was there to capture the uh, capture the big moment, but I'm sure one he'll remember for uh, for a long time. I mean, yeah, how much did it mean to, to get that win at the weekend and just be back in uh, in trial and competition um, it's fantastic I think, I think you know playing different teams different players get, getting back you know travelling across to Jersey um, you know it's unfortunately not quite the cheapest exercise um, with maybe how it was in years gone by uh, but I think every player sort of thrived on it I think they, they were looking forward to it the day itself was good Everybody sort of bought into the occasion, and um, you know, St Paul's okay. You could say have been hit by Jersey Bulls in terms of players, uh, but they, you know, to say they didn't have a decent side out would, would be very unfair. They had a very good, you know, a good side out with some experience. So you know, it, it was great to be, to be back out there and, and to go along and support them. It's just a shame that you know I was probably the only supporter as such. Um, yeah, because it's just a, no way of anyone else getting over there. Oh, well, hopefully you made your voice uh, heard on the day. Not me, Tony, never. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, in terms of the rest of the competition then, um, as you say, you know, St Paul's maybe not the side they were uh, uh, over the last few years, but they've obviously dominated CI football for for so long um, at sort of domestic level. So, um, obviously, uh, yeah, a good scalp and sort of harbour ambitions of, of going all the way in the competition. 
Yeah, I think we have to. I think I think Digger's always got that mantra. Um, any competition we're in, um, it's said the same about you know whether it's a Stranger Cup, the FA Cup. Um, you know the league, the league is where it's at now. Um, but in terms of cups, we're we're always in it in it to win, but under no illusion. Obviously, I'm not totally sure, but I think it's St Peter next. Um, so I mean, whoever you play in Jersey, it's going to be a tough tough day out. But um, you know why not? You know I think that that game could be a good while away yet, and there's a possibility. You know if if it's post GFC, who knows? We could have Jacob and you know a few other players around as well yeah brilliant and it sets things up very nicely um for saturday i'm sure everyone will be buzzing if not probably a bit tired but um yeah it's a big day isn't it um up at st peter tell us about the centenary celebrations you've got planned yeah, sure. Um, so this Saturday, um, we have a sort of centenary committee who have been working really hard, led by Jason Array, um, worthy of mention to him, who's who's been doing a lot, a lot of work. Um, and yeah, this this game's been put on um, ahead of the Prio game itself. Um, we've got the Henry Laray Centenary Challenge Trophy that has been born. Um, and that will be played for as a friendly between our under-12s and St Martin's under-12s. And that, that will kick off um, at 12.50. Um, and that will finish at 120 as a friendly game, and that, a trophy will go for that game. Um, and that trophy will be played for once a season at a at a game that we will decide each season. Yeah, I like that idea. So, so sort of, you know, sort of different levels of the club age groups or whatever. You know, someone can kind of come up with an idea for for a matchup they want to they want to see happen, and, and yeah, that trophy will be on the line for it. Absolutely, yeah. So we can come up with something every season, um, as a you know, for whatever reason, we'll, we'll, we'll think of different. I'm sure there'll be multiple different options. So yeah, it's, it's really nice idea, and that trophy will will remain. Um, I mean, the, the game this weekend is a scheduled trio game, so obviously um, it's, it's nothing special in terms of we haven't devised a game it's just come through the fixture list but obviously as it happens turns out to be a reenactment of the uh, the first match that silvers had a hundred years ago um so yeah it worked the timing was was good and so yeah that kicks off at two o'clock on saturday and uh, yeah we'd like as, as many supporters as possible for the occasion and uh you've got mascots for the players that they've had to go through a a, pres- a, a sort of lucky draw lucky dip type draw uh, so they've all entered the competition to be a mascot for the day uh, to go out with the players. So both, that's for both sides. So again, we're trying to really get the sort of family feel about it. And the, there's a bit extra riding on this weekend as well because obviously Saints have been going so well. They play again in midweek, but it, yeah, it could be that the, the points are on offer for them to, to claim the Prio title. So I'm sure you guys will be hoping to to make it all about Sylvans and put them off for a week or two. Yeah, that that would be nice. Obviously, Saints when they you know I say when they get there because I think that's the right way of putting it uh, will be worthy of getting there um with the record they've had they've played some fantastic football and uh, very deserving yeah I understand the four points with the game tonight as well um so yes if if it does come to us uh, to be honest it would be a slightly added incentive probably for our boys um to to, to go out there maybe stall their uh, their their plans but should they should they do the deed on Saturday then absolutely we'll we'll, we'll celebrate you know them them winning the title and allow you know presentations and and uh, yeah reward them for a deserved trophy yeah brilliant and just finally I mean obviously a hundred years of Sylvans I know you've been up there uh, for a couple of them not not all the hundred of you how are you guys kind of looking at uh, the the future now and in terms of sort of I suppose using the centenary celebrations as a bit of a springboard to to, yeah to make sure the club's there for another well hopefully hundred years 
No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you have to use these occasions to get people in. We are, as a committee, uh, looking at all sorts of different options, maybe just to re-establish the club building and uh, do a little bit of renovation work on it um, and, you know, to see how things lie where we are with owning the club and what we could do with the resources at hand. I mean, obviously, we work with the um, Sports Commission and a few other areas. I think I think you need to diversify from football, so we're trying to look at ways of maybe offering a few different things up there, um, you know, for sport, for, um, you know, for people in the parish to use the facility more so we definitely want to open our doors wider around the parish and really really get people involved from from young to old so we've got plenty sort of in the pipeline that we're discussing um, the club is i'll say fantastic led by um, adrian brown as president at the moment he, he's keen as <laughs> so he's a very good person to work with and uh, yeah there's some really great people on the committee so yeah we, we're not standing still at all and like you say what better than using a centenary year to uh, as a springboard to, to do some different stuff yeah fantastic well it looks like the weather forecast is pretty good for this weekend so um, i hope it all goes really well and uh, yeah we'll see you up there no, thanks, Tony. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, as many people want to come to support, I believe there's a, you know, it's the usual gate, gate entry to the game. Uh, there's a, a few extra little bits that have been planned by the committee and after the kickoff as well. Uh, you know, please, anyone to come in and celebrate with us, uh, more than welcome and happy to see them. Guy Hardill there speaking to me um, about Sylvan's centenary celebrations on Saturday. Big day up there for sure. Hope it goes really well. Um, yeah, quite a lot going on in the Premier League at the moment. Quite a lot of movement um, off the pitch. Uh, Rob, we mentioned your new director of football position up at Rangers. Um, just tell us about that, how, how it came about and what, what the, the role looks like. So I believe it's a first for the Premier League. Well, first and foremost, Tony, it, it, it doesn't start until after the end of this season. Let's make that clear. I've still got this job at the press to do and <laughs> cover football weekends. And um, yeah, you still answer to me. <laughs> and, uh, that's right. And um, you know, it's um, yeah, but it's, it's exciting times. There's quite a lot going on um, behind the scenes at Rangers, and there will be more unveiled in the coming weeks. Some 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 good appointments, and some really good news, um, big plans ahead, and um, I'm really looking forward to put, playing my my part in it. It's um, the main main. Um, job really is to um, assist Chris Tardiff, the manager, in terms of actually um, improving the side in terms of um, making players available, but also, and more importantly, is making use of the, the youngsters they've got at the club. They've got some really, really good youngsters, particularly the 16, 17 age group um, and down in the 12s, I believe, um, and making sure ensuring that those youngsters coming through uh, you know their talent is maximized and they don't head off to other clubs which has been the case in recent times um and also sort of spotting gaps in the teams where they need to be plugged and, and just better planning because i think clubs generally are sort of very sort of um, hit or miss in that term of respect they sort of end a season and then they don't really pay too much attention to what they've got immediately ahead of them and um and then then you know some clubs have been sort of very guilty of sense signing multiple number of players um for the season ahead without really giving any thought to the fact well well are they required are they wanted are they the type of individual that fits into a club and i think that's what is my role will be make sure the people we get coming in are the people rangers want to be represented by 
and not just any Tom, Dick or Harry. So you're not going to be pulling the strings uh, for, for Chris Tardiff's 11, sort of deciding who he's got uh, to work with? I'll be nowhere near the dugout, <laughs> I can assure you, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be very relieved in that. Now, we'll have, um, you know, obviously we've got Chris there, we've got, I know he's got a couple of exciting appointments to announce soon in terms of assistance. He's got Colin Fallais there to help out in the coaching, so I shall be tucked away in the background watching on. I say, I'm, I say with... I'm looking forward to spending my Saturdays watching Ranger sides, various Ranger sides, and hopefully putting something back into the domestic game, having got a lot out of it uh, through this job over a long period. Well, as you say, you're still watching football for the press for the time being, and you were um, uh, down at Portsmouth at the weekend to see North win 2-0. Yeah, I saw the probably two-thirds of the game, got there just before half-time. Um, North already won up. And they went on to totally dominate the second half when they had the, the wind advantage. They put the squeeze on Rovers, who just basically really struggled to get out of their own their own final third, really. You know, um, it was very, very difficult for them. They didn't have much up-top. Um, but North were really impressive. I was really imp- uh, impressed by the whole North set-up once again. Um, you know, a couple of cracking goals from Sam Murray, something you've come to expect. And the youngsters had really good games. Young um, Owen Walbridge did very well on the right. Very tricky. Um, so they, they they were well organised. And, then, you know, it was good to see somebody like Tom Delamere, you know, who's no longer playing for GSC, really, really thriving back at GS, um, at domestic level, um, playing an important role in the north side. Um, Tom Vodin. It's coming on really well at the back. Young Archie Drillo alongside him had another sound game. They brought on some um, two or three younger players. They've got really some cracking youngsters coming through and with clear, you know, good management. I can see them really pushing St Martins very hard next season. They're not far away now. I mean, they when they lost at St Martins a couple of months back, they were pretty unlucky. They were, you know, they, there wasn't much between the two sides. I think it's it's St Martin's mentality at the moment, and physical strength which is getting them through. But it won't, you know, they're not far away north, and I would expect them, as I say, to push Saints very, very hard next year. Good stuff. And one more game to look back on, uh, and there were plenty of goals uh, in it. Uh, Manza five, Valrec five. Uh, yeah, sound like a fairly extraordinary match there. But we won't be seeing Manza running out in the Premier League for much longer. No, they've got five more league games to go before they become an ex-Premier League team. Join that list of ex-Premier League clubs, which isn't too long, you know. Which is a credit to Guernsey football. Um, no, it's a sad that they are they're pulling out. They've had a really good go. They've they've had a very um, effective um, role in local football in the last four or five years. You, you just look at their positions. They've been always mid-table. They've beaten every team along the way. Never been disgraced. Fulfilled matches. I know they sort of had to, um, this season, in a very troubled season, they've had to give away some Lancaster one games. But in terms of the first team, they've kept plugging away. Always behaved themselves. Mark Romero has done a cracking job in trying to keep the club going in difficult circumstances and um, it's sad that it's, it's come to this but it's not unexpected to be honest um, and it'll be see it'd be interesting to see what comes of you know out of this in terms of you know like Manza personnel Mark Romrell where he might go if he gets involved there are whispers around that he may well be getting involved in another local club perhaps in the coming days we might have that one confirmed but um, yeah it's um yeah, I think they've got a lot to be proud of, Manza. So well done to them. 
Yeah, Gareth, they've definitely uh, been up against it in recent times, haven't they, off the field? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> like Rob says, certainly um, the likes of Mark Romerill and um, Rob Thompson, have, of course, we know well through cricket as well. Uh, I think they've been a real credit to their club, to be honest. So they're always very honest with what's what's been sort of going on. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that the, the talk was that Manzo would be joining force with Rangers, and um, they were very open about that at the time. Um, and yeah, they've they've given it a good go in the top flight, and they've certainly produced some some really good performances over those last few years. And and there were times, obviously, I think um, when COVID hit, and they they were able to put out a few more of their their GFC players and what have you. They actually had a really capable sort of first eleven. Um, so yeah, it, it is a shame when a, when a club has to sort of pull out, or sort of they won't be entering next season. They will be f- uh, completing this season, but they won't be entering again next season. Um, but no, I think they can sort of go with their heads held high. They, they've certainly given it a good go. And um, yeah, be, like Rob says, it be interesting to see where, where some of their resources um, end up now and um, uh, see, certainly see uh, where some of their, their better players go because I'm sure they'll, they'll still be wanting to play in, in Premier League football. You know, they've beaten, I remember, I think they've beaten St Martins in, in recent years. That's no mean feat. Um, and they've played some really good football. Um, and they've had some good players wearing that orange shirt um, and also some good players wearing that dreadful lime green fluorescent lime green shirt which, which I will not <laughs> yeah, miss yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the worst pre-league kit <laughs> ever <laughs> but other than that well done Manza do you think the league will be stronger for those players and the, that that kind of off the field effort being distributed among the other the other eight sides or the other seven sides in Guernsey? Well, let's hope so. I mean, I was talking to one um, individual last week relating to my own role coming up with Rangers, and I said to him, I said, from my view, my viewpoint, the reason I wanted to get involved with Rangers is because I hated seeing one club really struggling, and that was through, due to personnel um, largely behind the scenes. And I, I think, and I, I fervently believe, I want to see a eight-team Prio League, which is really, really competitive. When people, spectators go along every weekend and watch games where they, when they enter, they're not really sure who is going to win. I would hate to go back to the days when, you know, we have double-figure score lines or what have you, and, um, and it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion. Now, I'm hoping, and I, from what I see around the, around the clubs, is very well-organised clubs in generally. And I think um, hopefully in next season that we have eight teams who are pretty much, you know, f- the same in terms of spread of talent and very competitive. I've, I've, as I said before, I think North will be, take some beating. St Martins will again be very strong, no doubt. Um, probably what will be Leon Meekins last season uh, before he perhaps has a rest there. But I mean, I think, you know, we're going to have um, some exciting times and um, yeah. Much to look forward to. The local game is in rude health. Good to hear that. Good to hear that. Um, before we go, I just want to mention uh, Maya Letizia, as we do most weeks. Um, she made her 53rd um, uh, Women's Super League appearance um, at the weekend, breaking the record for the most games played by a teenager. I think it was the Arsenal game. Um, was it Monday night? And... Um, obviously Arsenal are a very strong side in Women's Super League and they ended up winning quite comfortably I think but um, yeah and sort of in the in the early exchanges of that match I mean Brighton were under pressure from pretty much the word go but um, Mayo was obviously playing pretty well and um, uh, the former England international Sue Smith who's on um, Sky a lot these days was sort of praising her to the hilt so she's um, 
she's obviously regarded now as pretty much an established um, women's Super League player, even though she's still only 19. And uh, yeah, she just keeps getting better and better. And certainly her goal a couple of weeks ago was an absolute belter on the half volley against Sasson Villa. Um, so um, no, fair play to Maya. She's uh, she's um, improving all the time. Yeah, it's a hell of an achievement, really, when you think about it. I mean, I know yeah, obviously we had high hopes for her when she headed off uh, from these shores to go and sort of try and make it as a professional. Um, but to establish herself so young and, and keenly in that Brighton side under the uh, stewardship of Hope Powell, who's obviously you know seen a fair bit of football in her time. Um, yeah, it is. It's a, a fantastic achievement, and uh, yeah. Keep up the good work, Mayor. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, lots more to come this week. Um, as we say, GFC in action uh, in midweek away and back at Footslay at, at the weekend. A big day up at Sylvan's as well. Lots of coverage of that in the pages of the Guernsey Press. If you don't already, make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast to get every episode of the Guernsey Press Sport podcast delivered straight to you. And follow us on social media as well, at GSY Press Sport on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, cool. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Cheers, Cheers Tony. Tony.